Welcome to the Baseball America podcast. Baseball America, bringing you baseball news you can't get anywhere else for more than 35 years. Now it's time to talk baseball. Hey everybody, John Manuel along with Matt Eddy and JJ Cooper for today's Baseball America podcast. We decided to go live with it here at facebook.com slash baseballamericamag. So welcome to all of you and great week for Major League Baseball. A great weekend for Major League Baseball. Chicago Cubs win their first National League pennant, guys, since integration, <laughs> since 1945. So we will have some decided parity in this year's Major League Baseball World Series with a team that hasn't won since 1948 and a team that hasn't won since 1908. And we're going to go point-counterpoint on today's Baseball America podcast. J.J. Cooper will take the side of the Chicago Cubs. And Matt Eddy, who apparently doesn't like beer or ribs, <laughs> will take the side of the Cleveland or Indians. Or deep dish pizza, I guess. We'd have to yeah, that exactly. But also, I'm going to allow that. The Chicago pizza is a little bit overrated. Well, Matt, you're also our, our, our designated hitter advocate as well. So <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll chalk it up for that reason. But there, these are two teams. I guess the thing is, guys, that if you'd gone in July and said, oh, your World Series is going to be the, the Cubs versus the Indians, pretty much most people in baseball would have just gone, yeah, well, i got no problem with that at all. I mean, like – the Indians were, uh, before their starting pitchers got hurt, J.J., decidedly the best team in the American League for a long time, and the Cubs were the best team in baseball pretty much from start to finish in the regular season. Yeah, I mean, this is – the Indians also, if you were saying at that point, the, the, the other reason I would say that at the time was the Indians had kind of the clearest path because the Indians, you looked at the Central and said, no, they're probably going to win the Central, whereas you looked at the East and you couldn't feel real comfortable saying Red Sox or Blue Jays or whatever because you didn't even know if they are going to make it because that was such a, uh, a much more complicated uh, you know, picture. But the way, as we talked about on the podcast, the way that the Indians did it is surprising because here they are with Corey Kluber and the half of Trevor Bauer and whatever else they can piece together, and that's... That's not what we thought they would be, and their lineup has been better than I would say that we would argue that thought it was going to be. Yeah, and Matt, in the National League, uh, obviously the Cubs had to wrap things up over the weekend. But, I mean, you know, they faced a little adversity. You won 103 games in the regular season. They were clearly the favorite in the National League postseason coming in. The Dodgers kind of tested them. Andrew Toll's iron skillet left glove uh, <laughs> notwithstanding. It did seem kind of epic, though, for the Cubs to win it the way they won it with power. With Anthony Rizzo coming back and, and hitting – Addison Russell hitting, and then Kyle Hendricks. I know a guy that you and I are both fascinated by dealing the way he did in the clincher. Anything surprise you at all about the way the Cubs won the National League Championship Series against the Dodgers? No, I would say the thing that surprised everybody was the two shutouts, I think. Right. Two and three being shut out. I think it seemed like it shook everyone's confidence in the Cubs. Maybe. And then I I felt a little more optimistic about having them face Kershaw game six. I thought that would get them the Dodgers back in it. Turned out not to be the case. And then I thought they could wing it with Urias and Hill right. in Game 7. I mean, Hendricks, when you're talking about epic pitching performances, that one ranks up there. Like, I mean, we, we modern obviously... Modern times, yeah. Like modern, recent, last 10 years, 20 I mean, years. It's not the World Series, so you don't compare it to 1991 Morris versus Smoltz or anything like that. But for an LCS, which... Uh, a, a clinching game for the Cubs, I mean, which is... That's by itself... And to go out there and pretty much be facing the minimum, he did. Inning after, I mean, it, that's insane. Yeah, and, and then it was against Kershaw, who obviously had this back, this history prior to this year's postseason. Was very good in the postseason, then wasn't good in Game Six. I still think that he augmented his case as best pitcher in the world this year, as opposed to uh, diminishing it in any way. I don't think Game Six diminished it at all. Um, I do think the Dodgers. That was. 
the, the, you pointed this out before we came on the air, Matt, so I'll start off with this for the World Series. The Dodgers' success against the Cubs in large part came with these left-handed pitchers, uh, uh, breaking ball pitchers. We, we very, it's been noted around the web how Clayton Kershaw could not land that curveball in Game 6. Urias was more of a slider but pitched well to some extent against the Cubs, although it didn't last too long. But Rich Hill obviously in that shutout. So a lot of left-handed arms that the Dodgers threw – we got a heavy dose of Grant Dayton, too, in that series. A little more Grant Dayton than I want to see. But the only left-hander, really, who gets... I mean, unless Ryan Merritt reprises his ALCS role. Which you uh, never which know. You never know. But the only left-hander might be the, the only left-hander with better stuff on the planet than Clayton Kershaw. And that's Andrew Miller. Mm-hmm. Um, so Andrew Miller, who was the ALCS MVP, is really the only left-hander other than Merritt on the postseason roster. So it's a really different... Uh, challenge that Cleveland's pitching staff has to take upon itself as a right-handed, heavy, dominant pitching staff against a Cubs team that's got a lot of good left-handed bats and that was more effective against uh, you know left-handed pitchers than uh, than right-handers, right-handers than left-handers. Uh, Get that backwards. Yeah, the Indian staff might be a little underrated. I think we don't we see that they're missing Carrasco. And they might be without Danny Salazar, but which is an interesting decision. We're, we can get to that. I think there's. Um, but they did rank fifth in the majors in strikeout rate this year, second in the American League. So in facing DHs, they were the second best staff. Uh, sixth in ground ball rate and seventh in walk rate. So this is one of the best pitching staffs in baseball. And in fact, the, the Cubs during the regular season were a little bit worse against right-handed starters, which kind of might play into the Indians' hand. They have, you know, two or three starts from Kluber, two right. from Bauer, possibly one or two from Salazar. We'll see. Right. But they have few, the Cubs during the regular season fewer hits. Lower on base percentage, fewer extra base hits, more strikeouts versus right-handers. And we do have this Indians pitching staff, J.J., that I think we know um, with the days off and the way that, they, that Terry Francona has used the bullpen in the postseason, when the game's close in the middle innings, you, they're going to get Andrew Miller. They're going to have to – I have to imagine that unless the Cubs constantly jump on Indian starters in the first inning or two, to win the World Series, they're going to have to score some runs off Andrew Miller. Yeah, I, you would have to – well, or, or Cody I, Allen, I guess. I was going to say, I, I think if you're the Cubs, really what you're counting on is is that, no, maybe you don't. <laughs> you, you know, yeah. okay. I mean, because you're That's only... That's factor if you're behind. Right. You, you know, if, you, if you're even tied and Andrew Miller comes in the game, the key thing is, is that your bullpen has to match him. But you do know that you're talking about six to eight outs kind of as the maximum, you know, for, right. for Miller. And you may not get anything during those six to eight outs, but... Cubs bullpen's very good at, as well to where you're thinking, okay, if we're tied, we have to stay tied while Andrew Miller. You may not get to Andrew Miller because you're probably not going to, but we, if we got to stay tied. If you're ahead, okay, well, then you're fine. Even, you know, just, again, stay ahead. But if you're behind, that's when you get into really kind of the nightmare scenario. Right. But if you're the Cubs, you made a good point that this Indians rotation may be a little bit better even with the injuries than we're thinking. But at the same time, if you're the Cubs, you do think, besides the Kluber games, we've got the advantage. If you're the Cubs, you think starting pitcher versus starting pitcher, you would be thinking that you have a good chance to go into the Andrew Miller innings where you're ahead. Maybe it's close, but you're ahead. And game one's Kluber versus Lester. That could be Cy Young versus Cy Young. They both are, I would imagine, if you're looking for candidates in both leagues, in the top three among starting pitchers in both leagues. Mm-hmm. And that's so it should be a, a, a game one start to savor. But that's another aspect where it would seem the Indians have an advantage, Matt, is their base running. This is an aggressive base running team. 130-plus stolen bases this year, led the American League. 
versus John Lester, who the last time we saw him in the American League playoffs, he was being exploited for his inability to handle a running game by the Kansas City Royals. Uh, how much can... Partly with a catcher, though, too. Yes, it was Derek Norris was also at fault, but he couldn't throw to a base. He couldn't hold runners. And we saw the Dodgers try <laughs> to exploit it. It almost seemed like they tried to, but not really. They were almost trying to get in his head more than they were trying to run yeah. on him. Some kind of half-hearted bunt attempts that didn't work. How much do the Indians, are they better suited to exploit that weakness of Lester than the Dodgers were? Yeah. I would be tempted to start Raja Davis, the American League stolen base leader, in center field in all games, even against the right-handers. Hmm. Uh, for that reason, because Jake Arrieta and John Lester are two of the worst uh, pitchers at holding runners, and I think that could be one area the Indians could exploit. Uh, I mean, Davis stole forty ba- forty odd bases. Right. Who, else, who else is a high a high yield base stealer? I mean, well, Kipnis is an efficient base stealer. Um, Jose Ramirez stole twenty plus bags, but he was caught a few times. You do have Coco Crisp, who uh, can steal some bases. Obviously, a little bit more advanced, um, but it just takes one or two well placed. Stolen bases to get if these are low scoring games, right. which they very well could be. The the big thing to me though is, is I mean look at it from a base running game one. I think you're right. The Dodgers took the entirely wrong approach to this. The bunting I'm not talking about, but the reality is bunting. The Cubs have a really good defensive infield. They're not right. going to have Lester make too many of those plays. But when you're base running, if you're on the bases against them, the idea of hey we're going to get in his head by dancing around is stupid. <laughs> John Lester knows that he can't throw over. It doesn't really bother him. There's been no sign that the fact that John Lester can't throw over means that he melts if you put a guy on first base and run around a little bit. The worst thing you can do is get this big lead and not trust it. What the Dodgers did over and over is his guys would get massive leads, but then as he went into his delivery, they'd start moving back to first base. And I know that eventually you're worried about Ross backpicking, but... You would be better off than that getting a smaller initial lead and a kind of a more aggressive secondary lead and then but still within the range to get back or go. But the idea of that you're going to go out to 23, 24 feet, but then be headed back to the bag as the pitch comes to home plate does no one any good. It was very odd. I agree. That was a very odd way to try to employ that strategy. It just seems like I do think the Indians have more ways to exploit that weakness for John Lester. The difficult part of that is getting on base against John Lester. Mm-hmm. He's So I'm, I'm really relishing that Kluber versus Lester matchup. Lester certainly is the more famous pitcher of the two. Kluber has arguably been better. Two of, the last so. three, two of the last three years, Corey Kluber has been a machine. Mm-hmm. I wonder if this World Series will be kind of a coming out party for the former Stetson right-hander and Padres <laughs> prospect to uh, one of these little ties of this of these two teams is that Jed Hoyer was the GM in San Diego when he traded Corey Kluber for Ryan Ludwig to the Indians. Uh, yep. Just kind of weird. Both these teams are homegrown in a lot of ways, but they also uh, they, they do have these other links. Obviously, there's the Baez-Lindor link, JJ, we talked about on the podcast last week. There's two Puerto Rican, uh, ethnic Puerto Ricans who both played in Florida high schools, played at these... Uh, this epic Arlington Country Day versus Monte, what is the high school again? I forget uh, what uh, Lindor's high school is. It starts with an M. Monteverde, I think, Monte is the high school. Yeah. And, uh, you know, 100 scouts or so at that game when they played each other in, uh, in yeah. early March, one of the all-time Oscar games from a draft standpoint. Um, just so, but, but at the same time, but the series could come down with all these stars. It could wind up coming down to Raja Davis versus David Ross. <laughs> I mean, you know, that's, that's the beautiful thing. That would be like an NBA Finals coming down to... 
you know, uh, uh, Marty Spates against uh, Zadrunas Ogalskis to go deep cut on the uh, on the Cavaliers. I can't think, uh, Timothy Mozgov would have been better. So. But, uh, forgive the, uh, the ancient uh, Cavs reference. And, and forgive this for over-dramatizing this because this is not the same as David Ortiz going out, you know, with one of the epic seasons of all final seasons, the epic final season we'll see. And, but it is amazing that, that Ross, who has been essentially this useful spare piece backup catcher for the vast majority of his career. Personal catcher. For Personal catcher time. for a long time. Modern day Eddie Perez. <laughs> and he is retiring at the end of the year as well. And it does feel like that Ross is right now as good as I ever remember him being. Defensively, he's really, really fun to watch. Uh, Great arm. The way he takes charge of a game, the way he directs his pitcher, all those things that are hard to scout when, you, uh, when you're talking about minor league catchers. I was just talking to our Orioles correspondent, Orioles Top Tens at BaseballAmerica.com, and talking about Chance Cisco and how hard it is to scout catching in the minor leagues. Yeah, there's pop times, and he has a very telling line in there that you know more often than not, Cisco's over two, not under two. Two's right about average. So there's pop times, but there's also the way you handle a pitching staff. There's the pitch framing where we don't have that robust data. The minor league level, like we have at the big league level, these things are hard to scout, but it's not hard to see when you see it when you're focused on one game and you see David Ross and the way he calls a game, the way he leads a staff. It really does stand out, which is really one of the funner things about having one game to just focus on and kind of dissect, guys. I, I love that, but I love that we could come down to that. One other catcher who factors in this series is Kyle Schwarber, no longer really a catcher. But working out, playing in the Fall League today, hmm. he'll play in the Fall League. He's DHing for the Mesa Solar Sox. And then they'll decide whether they're going to add him to the uh, World Series roster or not. At the expense of who, do we know? That's what we're. That's one part of the debate. So, JJ's mapped this out of it. I, I have my secret. The, front the Cubs didn't even have a backup infielder, really, in, in the NLCS round. No, they, well, they did because. Coughlin doesn't it's really Zobris, basically. Zobris, because. Okay, Zobris would come in the infield. That's. Coughlin into left field. Right. Okay. Well, that, but that's the thing is, is that. But they don't even need Coughlin to go to the outfield because they are. They have a backup because of their versatility. They have a plan. If anyone went down in this series, okay. If, if Rizzo goes down, Bryant's the first baseman, and then Baez is your third baseman, and Zobris is your second baseman. Right. If Baez goes down, Zobris is your second baseman. If have, Russell goes down... They playing second base. But to Baez and Zobris, their versatility are really the and, key to all this. And, for, and, and Bryant, and, actually. And, and Bryant, who can play in the outfield as well. And Contreras. For, Contreras, who's your, who, could play, who could be your everyday left fielder if you needed him to. And catcher. And as bad as he's been offensively, the fact that Hayward... If something happened, you have Fowler, Almora, and Hayward, all of whom could play center field if you needed to. So they really, if they pull Coglin, Coglin's not going to get in the field pretty much anyway. It's a question of does Coglin give you more because there is some defensive vertical. I, I would say that you're treating Schwarber as he is a pinch hitter and a DH. Your other backup hmm. infielder who also could be a factor when we're talking about how right-handed the pitching staff is for the Indians is Tommy Lastella. Yeah. <laughs> and that's a left-handed pinch hit bat. I've always maintained the one thing about Lastella is that he's so short to the ball. He, he hits good pitching. He's a contact. He's a perfect pinch hitter. Yeah. I mean, if you're t- looking for the big league player most likely to be the future Chris Donalds, to me, or oh. Willie Harris, it's Tommy Lastella, that career <laughs> pinch hitter. Um, he might be a factor. I, I would if imagine he makes the a, roster. I would imagine he's a factor for the roster uh, at this stage because... Would you uh, DH if you don't think that Schwarber can go, then yes. And I would take Lestella over Coglin. Coglin hasn't shown me much in this postseason. Which one do you think 
could because if you come in in a high lever situation and Andrew Miller hasn't been used, Andrew Miller's coming in. Would you? Would any of these guys ever even face Andrew Miller? I don't know, but they might have to. Right. Um, which one is more likely to hit him? Might argue in favor of keeping Contreras on the bench to always have him. Deploy him when you can. In case Miller comes in, yeah. So that's, that is the question ultimately Although, about, about like Montero on the roster or not. This, yeah. is, this is not easy. The really, what you came in saying off air, JJ, was that the Cubs almost have too much depth. And in some ways, these are very difficult choices. They are going to leave someone off this roster who what has does a Jorge, very... What does Jorge Soler bring to this table? Does any of us here really think Jorge Soler... It's pitching against Miller, it sounds do you, like. Do you think he could touch Andrew Miller? <laughs> Not bloody like I wouldn't bet on it. No, I would bet, no, well, you say that, but the thing about it is, is that he would, he, if, you're, if you're Jorge Soler and you go up there, I know it's 50-50 whether Miller's throwing a fastball or a slider. If I'm Jorge Soler, my approach is, is I'm counting on it being 100% fastball. Right. And if he throws me, if I go up there and he throws me three sliders in a row, then I'm probably going back to the bench. <laughs> but if he throws me a fastball, I can't catch up to it. So I might be able to do some damage. I, but Miller's so effective right-hander or left-hander. Right. I don't think you're really, the platoon's that massively a, a question. It's really about, he, you're, okay, so your right-hander's going to be a 100 one, 150, 150, or your lefty's going to be a 100, 150, 150. It's almost like if you're Joe Mad and that staff, do you make the decision on, forget Miller, who can hit Cody Allen? Because, mm-hmm. you know, pick your poison, you pick Cody Allen every time. How are we going to get to him out of your bullpen? You're going to hit Brian Shaw, you know. That's... Yeah, exactly. So, and, but I mean, I, that, that, but that, that, that's a difficult call, I think. With, with it being uh, four games, not just three. I mean, if this goes seven, it's four games in the AL park. That's where... I know that there's a lot of talk of this is too much to ask of Schwarber, he's too rusty, all that. I, I mean, this is a fascinating question. I do find it interesting, though, from the standpoint that to me, if I'm thinking of guys who can go out there and after essentially a week of swings right. go out there and do it, Kyle Schwarber is one of those guys more able to do that to me than most. Tommy Lestella, actually, who, let's be honest, if you're talking about rust, he's not doing much. I know he's probably trying to stay fresh as much as he can either, but Tommy Lestella hadn't had ABs in forever either. Correct. He, so, and he almost quit on your team this yes, year. He yes. basically did quit on your because team. Because of Chris Coughlin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're all intertwined. <laughs> it is a but, really, he's a random, he's an interesting player. But let me put, I mean, again, assuming he's healthy, assuming that the doctors say you got to decide, you know, Assuming that Schwarber goes one for four tonight with a single, because I don't know really how much that really makes a difference. But right. do you put Schwarber on your roster? I'd almost be more concerned about the run times to first base. I put him on the roster. You did for me. Just I put him. If he's swinging the bat, I want that. He's a presence. I mean, he just is a presence. He takes confident quality at bats. And in those two games where they got shut out, they were pretty nervous at bats. That guy's never nervous. I don't feel. I don't feel like I've ever seen that guy press at the plate. So for me, he was so good. he's the all-time home runs leader in Cubs postseason history, based on Five. last year's Five. postseason, uh, which is ama- that's one of my the most amazing stats in baseball. Like I remember in 1908, they didn't really hit. But home I mean, like, were there? I guess the, well, there were no World Series from 1876 to 1903. Right. So I'm sure that Keith Olbermann could find me some ancient Cubs uh, home run leaders. But the point is, I, I love that guy as a hitter, and if the doctors clear him. And you've, they've seen him work out. I heard Joe Madden talk about it this morning on Mike and Mike. Their confidence they have in Kyle Schwarber's offensive game, uh, I'd, I'd, I'd use him. I would absolutely use him if you thought. All it takes is one swing for him to help turn a series. So right. I would use I w- him. I would be concerned about him on the bases. That would be a concern of mine. See, hmm. re-injuring the knee. There is a, I mean, I'm sure, again. Those are good points. 
Now, with that, there are things you can do because he is and a, just not being able to score, right? I, I mean, I, I don't want to be ball and play. I don't want to go all football on this, but it is something. He is far enough out here that this is, especially when you talk about baseball. When you're if he's not playing in the field, there's not many cuts. I mean, because really, what you're talking about is is it's not as much straight line as it is stability and cuts. We have seen football players. I might tear up even talking about this. But right. In '95, Rod Woodson blows his <laughs> knee out in, re- in, the, in the first game of the season, and he makes it back and plays in the Super Bowl at cornerback. That's cornerback is much more difficult. So that was basically September to January. Right. Kyle Schwarber, we're talking April to October, and what you're asking him to do, you can put a brace on it. Yes, because he has a sizable brace. You, there's no reason for him not to. You put a brace on it. And is, again, the key things are: is there no pain? Can he have a solid base? If he can't have a solid base in the in the, he's not going to hit. Not, it doesn't matter. Right. But if that's the case, you're really talking about straight line, which he was a below average runner before. Straight line, and then okay, you've got to be able to cut the base. But that's because again, I do think that if you put Schwarber on this roster, you are saying there is no chance. I don't care if it's the 19th inning. I don't care if Travis Wood is in left field. Travis Wood's going to be in left field before Kyle <laughs> right. Schwarber because right. you, that's where he's probably not ready. I guess and he doesn't have he hadn't taken any fly balls. I guess the downside is you just have to replace him on the roster with Listella or Coughlin. So if he gets hurt, if he gets right. hurt, yeah. So it's if you I, can, or you can fake an injury. <laughs> but I, I would rather have the guy that you put it. I would rather have the guy that can change the game with one swing, Chris Coughlin or Tommy Listella. I know you could they could come up in a situation, but if you're talking about as a DH. Which again, obviously, you have choices of them. You have choices of Solaire. You have you have a lot of choices for that. But if you're talking about as a DH, especially Chris Coughlin and Tommy Lestella are just trying to keep the inning going. Right. Kyle Schwarber could be could basically carve himself into the uh, Cubs Mount Rushmore oh, yeah. in his second season. He basically already did it last year. I mean, just about they've increased yeah, we, it in plexiglass. We think, yeah. we think of the Cubs as for futility, but. You know, when they appeared in the World Series last in 1945, they had the second most pennants in National League history. Did you realize yeah. that? To the yeah, because they the were Giants. so good. I didn't know that. Yeah, I, saw, so, I saw that this morning. It blew my mind. They were so good back in the in the yes. pre-modern era of baseball. And that is how far back we're I mean, going. Pre- we're going way Think back. about it. It's all in the pre-Wrigley Field era. We have the this incredibly old stadium, and basically the yeah, Cubs' greatness is back yeah. when it's like Wrigley One and Wrigley Two that I think both burned down, if I remember right. <laughs> I don't think they're Cubs. The current yeah, Wrigley, Wrigley Field was yeah. built as Wegum Park. Yeah, Wegum, but yeah, for the Chicago Whales of the Federal League. Wow. So, but back then, you know, I mean, those wood parks they burned down on like a you know like a yeah, I don't even know hourly basis. I mean, to me, the old Cubs are always Tinker, Ever Chance, and uh, three. Finger Brown, right? Yep. Mind you, don't cut yourself now, Mordecai. That's that's what I always think of when I think of old Cubs. I mean, it's really like super old Cubs. So it is kind of amazing how these major rivalries in Major League Baseball history, how the Red Sox dominated and then they sold Ruth to the Yankees and then the Yankees dominated for all this time. And then the Cubs were this incredibly successful franchise and then the Cardinals took over as the much more successful franchise as their rival that have been really, along with the Dodgers, the two dominant yeah. Franchises in the National League in the last you know, since World War II um, does feel like the Cubs are poised to to have this own this period of dominance. I'll ask you, Matt. Anything else on your to empty your your Indians notebook? I was going to ask you if Carlos Santana is the most underrated player in this World Series. He had 99 walks this year, 34 home runs, 
this guy's pretty good. Um, I feel he's, like he's done it for a long time now. He's a good player. Yeah. I think I, I feel like he's not. I feel like the Indians are the team that is more guys where I think fans might uh, discover. I feel like right now, if you ask the common baseball fan, they probably know Lindor. They know Napoli because he was on other good teams, as we detailed in last week's podcast. But outside of that, they don't, I don't think people know who Tyler Naquin is, except for maybe if they follow the Indians' social media channels because they, they played up Naquin's uh, celebration at home plate and Jose Ramirez's hair very well. But Santana's very quietly been a very good player, one of the better switch hitters in baseball. Yeah. And again, Kluber is a, kind of a silent star. Yeah, that, that was my question. Is if you were the managing the Indians, would you pencil in Kluber for games one, four, and seven? Yes. yes. <laughs> Next. Because I mean, I absolutely, because you don't have again. You so mentioned you would, you, mentioned, Schilling, you would curse Schilling, but you, you mentioned would. you mentioned Salazar, and the thing about yeah. it is, is I think if Salazar even makes this roster, I don't think that I think him as a starter is more dangerous. Then I know that he's he's at least done this in the past, at least a little bit of relieving. Mm-hmm. I think asking him to pitch in say a Ryan Merritt game or something like that and say, okay, let's try to get our twelve outs, our nine outs out of Merritt, and then go Salazar. I think that's safer. Your Salazar's not going to be able to work deep in games for you, and so if you put Salazar as a starter, I don't think that he could work deep in games. If you put Salazar as a starter. I think that you're taxing already a pen that's going to be asked to do a lot, as it is. It is. And, you know, the thing is, you talk about a guy who could be rusty. You know, 4.1 walks per nine this year when he was healthy. So yeah, I, I would want to start him. I would basically treat him kind of the way that the Dodgers treated Julio Urias, where you're not going to bring him in with men on to end an inning. Yeah. You're going to use a reliever to get through that inning and then say, okay, now we're handing it to you in a clean inning. Did Carlos Santana catch a game this year? Did you look that up? I'll look that up. I would be tempted to play him at first base, keep him as an emergency catcher, because the Indians' starting catchers are had terrible numbers against right-handed pitchers this year. Like, he hasn't caught a game since 2014, uh, unfortunately. This so, is his fewest amount of walks since 2013. This guy's liked, a really good offensive player. I would have liked to have seen him as a third catcher, so you could pinch hit for Jan Gomes or Roberto Perez in a crucial spot. And remember, this is a guy who was traded for Casey Blake. Yeah. Long ago, the Dodgers Which, got Casey Blake for him. By the way, when Santana was MVP of the Cat League. When you bring up Jan Gomes, I mean, who is 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 maybe a factor here, maybe a not. We don't know. But when we talk about Schwarber and how rusty he may be, Jan Gomes can't be much less rusty than Kyle Schwarber. Yeah, I feel like I feel like it feels like Robert Perez is, uh, Roberto Perez has started like every game. Yeah. Of the we're, yeah, we're really talking about Gomes is as a backup. I mean, he's Gomes is like, but if you, you're again. The thing that we're going to have for the Indians now is, is you go to the National League Park, and obviously things change a little bit as far as how you approach this, how you do this. That is the crazy thing about the World Series that I don't think we emphasize enough, is you are talking about, and I know we see this roster construction now during the season because of interleague, but you are talking about you're constructing a roster for seven games, and halfway through that, you have basically you change the rules very right. differently. A National League roster construction, utility infielders, things like that, is much different than American League. Tyler on that roster. Than American League roster construction. If you're the Indians, it does change things a little bit because you do have, okay, we may have to do a double switch. Although, again, Andrew Miller, you, you, you may send Andrew Miller to the plate at some point and basically with the idea that, okay, just leave the bat on your shoulder. and. Well, the Indians do have, they have Michael Martinez, or at least they did in the ALCS, and they have... Uh, you know, Brandon Geyer and Raja Davis can cover multiple spots. Those are great platoon guys. I mean, yeah. I feel like we're going to see some Brandon Geyer potentially and yeah. Raja Davis both 
as right-handed bats against the Leicester, um, mm-hmm. you know, or For again sure. in post. If Travis Woods in a game out of a bullpen, you're going to see those guys pinch hit. Uh, the, I don't think you're going to see a lot. Lonnie Chisholm face a left-handed pitcher this, that, that often in this World Series. The thing that just that's, jumped, a, that's a shame. <laughs> the thing that does jump out to me though about the Indians that does stand out is this is a team that's been masterful on the pro scouting side, the trade side. Like when you say, "How did the Indians get here?" One of the things that does jump out. I mean, Carlos Santana is obviously an example of this because. Casey Blake for Carlos Santana is one of the heist jobs of all, deal. of all heist jobs. But it's not just that. You, you look at this team, and so much of this team is built by trade. Now, again, Andrew Miller, <laughs> this is much like you say last year. You know, it doesn't matter if Cody Reed, you know, or uh, uh, Sean Mania turns into stars. Oh. You know, you go, hey, that's fine. You look at this right now. The the Indians, for the Indians, this Andrew Miller trade has already paid off, and he's right. not even a free agent at the end of the year. I mean, that's a, that is the trade of all trades that happened at the deadline this year, but it's Santana. It's even minor moves like, okay, Coco Crisp or... Coco Crisp was crucial because this team's outfield was bad. You know, it was all platoon-heavy guys yeah. and not getting Michael Brantley back. Really, yes. They're not at full strength like they thought they would be. Michael Brantley, was it last year, 2014? I guess it was 2014. He was an yeah. MVP candidate. And the last guy left from the CC Sabathia trade. So you know, uh, that's a key piece for Cleveland, and he's not there. Jan Gomes, who's a key piece for them, which, again, was a heist of a, of a move. Right. I mean, these are one good year. I don't want to overdo Jan Gomes. Two good years. One really good year, one pretty good year. But, but for what they got him for, they got an right. everyday catcher. Right. That's a, that's a heist of a deal. It is. Uh, last but not least, we'll take a couple questions real quick that we have. Um, a lot of Cubs or, Cubs or Indians, who's picking who? I presume you're picking the Cubs, Cubs. JJ? Indians. Picking the Indians? Yes. I, I'm picking the Cubs as well. Um, I do think this is going to be a really good series. I think it's going to be a low-scoring series. Um, I, I love the idea of Kluber. Uh, I, 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 I want to see more Kluber versus uh, Lester. Who knew I would be so interested in Corey Kluber, but it's I'm all about it. Yeah, it's a great World Series for managers, too. Two of the best. It, it is. Two of the best this side of Bruce Bochy. And Madden, the guy who doesn't have a World Series championship on his resume, nope. uh, Terry Francona would pretty much clinch a Hall of Fame spot if he doesn't already have one if he wins a third World Series with the, with Cleveland after two in Boston. Um, we do have Angie Page asking, who will be the MVP of the World Series? So if the Indians win, Matt, who would the MVP be? Kluber. I think that's a pretty good pick. If the Indians win, Kluber winning game one, four, and seven would be like, okay, you know, that, that would wrap JJ, it up. JJ, what do you have as your MVP? I, I'm, I'm going to say Chris Bryant. I will say I, I'm almost like wish casting here. I want Chris Bryant to be the face of baseball. Adidas has already put him out front. He has these other endorsement deals. Uh, he's a good-looking guy. He's a Vegas guy. He's a good guy. I want Chris Bryant to be the face of baseball. I want him to be the baseball like Tom Brady is the NFL or like uh, Steph Curry is the NBA now. Or LeBron, I want him to be the star of the sport. I want people who are casual fans, who just are, don't even like baseball, but are casual sports fans, to recognize Chris Bryant. So if he's the guy who leads the Cubs in the World Series, I think that'd be the best thing for the sport. No offense to Indians fans, but he, he, that's kind of how when I you see talk it. about what a great guy. And this is a team of, of great guys. I mean, Anthony Rizzo is a cancer survivor who, by all accounts, correct. But, again, Chris Bryant. When you talk about having just that something. This is a story that's nothing about me, but it's about Chris Bryant, but I just happen to be in it, which is Cub Spring Training two years ago. I talked to Chris Bryant at that point twice before in our lives. I'd yeah, in our gala. Inter- I'd, the gala, and then I'd, inter- I'd done the story on him for being our minor league uh, player of the year. Right. 
and I see him at spring training, and I'm going to you know make a point just saying, hey, before I do that, he comes over to me and it's like, hey, I didn't expect to see you. How are you doing? You know, no reason in the world for that. It doesn't really gain him anything in the right. world, but he just goes out of his way to do that because I, I there's again there's no reason that he should have recognized me, right. but he went out of the way. House baseball, Mary going all that. It's just that special something that. And, guys have. and Francisco Lindor has that, yeah. and uh, there are a lot of players in the series. Who are, position players, that'd be my yeah, pick. yeah. We have a lot of great picks, but just the fact that oh, people have already glommed on to Bryant, I'm I'm looking for. I think it'd be great for baseball to capitalize on that. Now, JJ, who's your MVP pick before we wrap up? I'm gonna. I, I'm, I think maybe he stays hot. I'll say Javier Baez. That would also not be a surprise. I, I was going to say, the, the one that everyone on Twitter, I think, would fear, but I don't think Madden is going to use it. Andrew Miller could be the MVP of this. Aroldis Chapman can make an impact, but he's not going to be the MVP because they're not going to use him in the two- to three-inning stint, I don't Right. Think. No, it doesn't seem like it. Um, he did come in the eighth inning a little yeah, he's bit. He's come in to tie games. He hasn't come in but, in the fifth or sixth inning, though. I was going to say, <laughs> he's not been used like Andrew Miller or Kenley. I mean, Kenley Jansen. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's the one that gets lost because they lost. If you're the Dodgers, I don't think there's any way that you can let that guy go. Somebody's going to pay that guy a lot of money this offseason, and I heartily endorse it. That guy's nasty. Um, it's been a great postseason so far. Looking forward to a great World Series. Great podcast, if I do say so myself. Hope you enjoyed it here at Facebook Live. For Matt Eddy and J.J. Cooper, I'm John Manuel. See you next time here at BaseballAmerica.com or here on Facebook. This concludes our program. Want more in-depth baseball coverage? Be a better fan. Visit BaseballAmerica.com to get more comprehensive baseball coverage.